I'll read from Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. These are God's words. Please have a seat. Uh, We're continuing our series in the book of Galatians, and we'll be looking at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to the end of the chapter, verse 26. It's a lengthy passage, but I have uh, attempted to boil this passage down to what may be uh, an oversimplified version of this thing with an extended metaphor uh, throughout. So if I've oversimplified it, my apologies, and if my metaphor doesn't make sense uh, because it's so simple, my apologies for that as well. Uh, not everybody's been with us. We have a few guests this morning. Very briefly, I was asked to summarize the book of Galatians on Friday. <clears throat> Uh, There are three churches, at least, who have come to faith in Christ and have been started by the Apostle Paul. And they were started because they believed that a relationship with God came through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith alone in him. That their relationship with God was based solely on the unmerited grace of God saying, I want you in relationship with me. There were some teachers who came into the midst of these people who said that message is good and that message is sound, but there are things that you must do in order to really and truly have a relationship with God. In the case of the book of Galatians, they relied on what we call the Old Testament law. They told these people that they must adhere to the Old Testament law plus have faith in Christ in order to have a relationship with God. And the Apostle Paul is saying nothing could be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, I wish those people who are telling you that would be damned. And so we continue that idea this morning, not the damned part, but we are going to talk about flesh and we're going to talk about spirit. And these are churchy terms and they're Bible terms and they, they come up uh, an awful lot. And, and because the word flesh for Paul is very um, synonymous with the idea of the law, I want to just reiterate for us what, what the law is all about from the Old Testament so that we can maintain our understanding of that as Paul looks at these things. The law essentially was designed for two purposes. It was given by God, it was perfect in every regard, and it is spectacular, and the believer today needs to understand the law so he can understand his salvation. But the law was given to give mankind, humanity, a picture of the glory and the perfection and the righteousness of God himself. So that we can actually understand the gap that exists between who God is and and who we are. 
And at the same time that the law does that, it shows all the human frailties, all the things that the Bible calls sin. It, it shows humanity in all of his putrid state and, and really helps us to understand how large that gap is between the righteousness of God and who we are as, as human beings. And, and it shows us who we are, quote, in the flesh. And so the, the law, the Old Testament law, speaks to things like sex and pride and religion and power and pleasure and, and on and on and on the list goes. And it shows how God's righteous on these things and what mankind must do if he were to be righteous but at the same time it condemns mankind because mankind looks at it and understands there's no way that he could attain to the righteousness of God but these teachers had come in and said actually you can by doing some of these things in God's law, you can attain righteousness. You can establish a relationship with God. And, and Paul says nothing could be further from the truth. And so Paul talks about some of the things that are involved in human flesh. In verses 19 to 21, if you'll, you'll look with me here, this is not a comprehensive list, but it is a list that most of us in this room can relate to on one level or another. Beginning at verse 19, Paul says, "...the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality." idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, and dissensions, divisions, and envy. You will see that that's the longest of the four lists. Drunkenness and orgies and, and things like you. And Paul writes, I warn you as I warned you before that, that those who do such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. The, these, are, these are symptoms of our fleshly existence without the righteousness of God. There's four different categories. I really won't take the time to unpack them here because <clears throat> we really don't have them, but they, but they involve pleasures of the flesh. They, they involve moral excesses like drunk, drunkenness and and orgies, and they involve things like conflict socially among believers and unbelievers alike. Uh, envy, pride, arrogance, dissension, infighting, and so on and so forth. And that actually is the, the longest of the list. These are the things that are involved with our flesh. And if you have any experience like I do, I wrestle with these things. Now, I don't necessarily wrestle with drunkenness or orgies or sorcery, but, but the larger part of the list, I, I do. Pride, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissension, division. These are things that rattle through my brain. They may not come to my mouth, 
but, but these are things that are part of my flesh that, that are still there and are still waging war against who I claim to be, and that is a person who is in relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul has spoken earlier, he has put the Spirit of Christ in me. And, but if you're anything like me, you still are going to fight. <laughs> because the, the flesh wages war with the Spirit. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but it is impossible for me to believe that not everybody in this room wrestles and fights that fight. And, and Paul says the same thing. This isn't just Dave's experience. Look with me at verse 17. Verse 17 of chapter 5, Paul says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And that goes both ways. You know, a person who has a relationship with God through Christ, we don't want to follow the flesh. But we do. The person who is living for the flesh certainly doesn't want to do what Christ wants him to do. He's only out to serve the flesh. And, and these two things are in constant battle. And, and, and like Heath has shared with with many people that he has known, and all of us share this experience, this is a real war. And, and so we want to talk to people about spiritual things, but, but we can get discouraged, can't we? And, and it can be challenging because I guarantee you I've been beaten down by the flesh sometime this week, and I will be beaten down by the flesh sometime next week, even though... It is not what I want because the Spirit of Christ lives in me. So what are the options? What are the choices? Ah, well, buck it up and, and fight harder and, 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 and try to win and, and all the rest of it. And here's where my metaphor begins. And, and it's, it's not tight, but it's the best way I could understand it. Not many of us in this room have ever been boxers, um, you know, fighting in the ring. But if you can imagine yourself in a boxing match and the ring is 30 feet square and there's an umpire and, 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 and all of a sudden you're fighting the flesh and, and you get knocked out and there you are on the mat. Now, I use very few illustrations, and I'm not very good at it. But the referee for the time is the law, the flesh, the person who says, you must do stuff in order to be in a relationship with God. And if you're the fighter and you're living that way, that referee says, you are out. And there is no opportunity for the fight to continue because you have failed to uphold the law. 
You have been living under the law, which Paul calls living in the flesh, and you have absolutely failed, and because you're down and out, it's over with. And that is the picture that Paul has been painting in the entire book of Galatians. If you live under one part of the law, you have to live under all of the law. And if you fail in one part, you fail in its entirety, and you are doomed. So has anybody in this room ever been punched out by the flesh? That's as, I'm, I'm trying to make this as simple and as clear as possible. These two things are waging battle. Now here's the interesting thing. Same fight, same guy on the mat, but the referee is different. The referee is now faith by grace, unearned favor of God. Now, it's not necessarily that the umpire is pleased, but the umpire says, you're not out, because the Lord Jesus Christ has already fought in this fight, and he has won the fight. He has left you in the battle, Get up and continue the fight. Get up and continue the fight. Now, your continuing the fight is not going to win the war. The war has been fought by Christ, and he has won it. You understand what I'm saying? This is very critical. But grace, by faith in Christ, has given us the freedom to continue to fight. Not fight for the winning of the war because that's Jesus' job and he has done it successfully and we are the benefactors of it. But war and spirit are still at war. Okay? The flesh, the flesh, the law, so to speak, when you fail, you're out. And I'm not just talking about little things, I'm talking about big things. But the Spirit says, no, Christ has won this battle and this war. Get up and continue in his Spirit to live by grace through faith for him. And so Paul continues, and, and, and he talks about what the Spirit looks like a little bit. He's talked about what the flesh looks like, and I, and I want you to look at verse 22. Now, it would be very tempting to pick each one of these phrases apart, but he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it's very important that we understand it is not fruits, plural, of the Spirit. It is fruit. Somebody who has a relationship with God through Christ has been given the Spirit of God who indwells him, and this fruit looks like this, okay? Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now what does that mean? These things don't punch you out. These things cannot be defeated. 
They're the things that are building you up in Christ. They're not the things that are trying to tear you down. You understand what I'm saying? And all of these things go together. So it's not like this person over here has a little bit of patience and this person over here has a little bit of kindness and this person has goodness and this person is faithful and so on and so forth. If we have a relationship with God through Christ and his spirit dwells in us, this fruit is what is characteristic of the spirit-filled believer. Now, now, that's tricky. That's tricky. Because I'm not always kind. I'm not always faithful. I'm not always gentle. But Christ is. And he is the one that dwells within me. I don't get a relationship with God by being kind, by being gentle, by being faithful, by doing all these things. I'm just building another law then. These are the things that are given to me as a gift because I have placed faith in Christ's victory over the flesh and over the law. And these are the things that exemplify and are in perfect harmony with the Spirit of God who dwells in me. But I want to be clear, and I want this point, if nothing else, is made this morning. <clears throat> Christ has won the victory. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, and I had absolutely nothing to do with it. But I am still a sinful man. And the battles continue. And the battle is against the flesh and the spirit. But the spirit that indwells me is Christ himself. Who's already won the war. And I have been given the freedom to continue the fight, not the fight to be victorious, but I've been given the tools to not lose the skirmishes. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And so the reason this is so important is it's awful discouraging to get your butt whipped in the ring all the time, to be frank with you. That can be very discouraging. And there are some who want to give up and who want to say it's just so much easier to pursue the things of the flesh than to stay in the fight. But what's getting lost sight of is the fact that the fight has already been won by Christ. We just have the freedom to continue the battle. And he's equipped us to do it. Now look back at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out 
that you are not consumed by one another. Now, there are two dangers on there's two poles in this danger. In legalism, or in law, or in flesh, the battle goes like this. You've got to do this. You've got to stay away from this. I know when you have not done this, and when you have done this, consequently, I think less of you. You see what I'm saying? Legalism just builds that kind of attitude. Let's put the super righteous over here, the medium okay over here, and the losers over here. I mean, it, those way it works in our minds. And we do it on an individual basis, and we do it on a systematic basis, and we do it on a church-level basis. But things get chopped up into categories, and everything just gets measured out according to the standard by which we think our legalism works, you know. And so what do you end up with? Factions, dissensions, fights. They may not be verbal, they may not be seen, but they're internal in the lives of the individuals in church. Of course, and, and this is a, a, a careful area that we should be very cautious about, the person who has a relationship with God through Christ and has been given the fruit of the Spirit can fall into the same trap. I am more loving than so-and-so. I am more gentle than the preacher. I am more kind than the preacher. And you may well be right. But it's the Spirit of God in working in us, not dissensions and fractions that could be built out of this. And this is why Paul says, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. And then in conclusion, back to verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. They are not the victors. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Friends, the freedom that is ours in Christ is not the freedom to do anything we want to do. That's what the flesh says. But of course, the flesh, the second you're on the mat, you're out of the game. The freedom that we have in Christ is the freedom to continue the fight between flesh and spirit. But the war, the battle, has been fought and won. We still have that tension that tension is going to go away when we stand before the throne of Christ. And it will be spirit alone, and man, do we long for that day. We have the freedom in Christ to love one another because that is the essence of the whole law. And we have the freedom to live by the Spirit and the fruit that Christ has provided by his indwelling of us. 
Let me pray. And then Andy will come and give us the benediction. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you that the we are a people, quite frankly, who still fight between spirit and flesh. And it is, quite frankly, no fun. But the battle has been fought and won by the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we attempt to fight it in our own strength, believing that our victory in the ring is what gives us relationship with you, we're out of the game before it starts. You have given us freedom in Christ and you have given us the power to live victoriously before you. You have given us the freedom to love one another as we ought. And you have given us the tools to stand before your throne of grace and be welcomed in because of Christ's victory. And we praise you for this and it is in his name we pray. Amen.